15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Is that Shakespeare? Nope, it's Geico. Uh, yeah, 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 that's Shakespeare from one of his unpublished works. Oh, it be not for awakening. Nay, give it thou the berries. For 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. No, it's from Geico, because they help save people money. Well, I hate to break it to you, but Geico got it from Shakespeare. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Ever wondered why there are two ways to spell donuts? Or why some people think you can find water underground just by wandering around with a stick? Believe it or not, this is stuff you should know. You know the podcast with over a billion listens. It's now for your eyes, so you can read it. Stuff You Should Know, an incomplete compendium of mostly interesting things, covers everything from the origin of the Murphy bed to why people get lost. Become the most interesting person you know now at StuffYouShouldKnow.com or wherever books are sold. Previously on Happy Face. How did Keith get away with it for so long? Laverne A. Pavlinak is accused of four counts of aggravated murder, rape, sex abuse, kidnapping, and felony murder for the death of Tanya A. Bennett. Pavlinak fed police anonymous tips that led to the arrest of her longtime boyfriend, John A. Sosnovsky. Laverne was trying to get rid of her boyfriend. She convinced him by saying she had participated in the murder with John Sosnovsky. If it weren't for the anonymous letter, the case might well have remained forgotten. Quote, on or about January 20th, 1990, I picked up Sonia Bennett and took her home. The name is Tanya, not Sonia Bennett. And she was killed according to the experts who examined the body on the night of January 21st, not the 20th. Melissa and I reached out to Jim McNeely, a retired detective from the Multnomah County Sheriff's Department. He knew what he was talking about, and he had information on those murders that hadn't been in the papers. Jesperson kind of saw you as a partner in this. We were conspiring to prove that he was guilty. There's always been one person Melissa has been afraid to meet, the son of Jesperson's last victim, Don Findley. We spoke for a couple of hours, and I was finally able to convince him to meet you. In the pines, in the pines, where the sun don't ever shine, I would shiver the whole night through. There's an almost numbing quality to hearing Keith describe his crimes. The details are almost too horrific to fully absorb. We know the way he tied women up, how he beat, raped, and stopped them from breathing. And yet, some seem more shocked to hear how he tortured a cat than how many women's lives he took. But over a period of five years, from 1990 to 1995, Keith murdered at least eight women. His last victim was Julianne Winningham. But Keith Hunter Jesperson decimated countless lives beyond the ones he took, including that of Julie's son, Don Fendley. I'm Lauren Bright Pacheco, and this is Happy Face. From I, The Creation of a Serial Killer, by Jack Olson. The morning after I killed Julie Winningham, my eighth victim, I drove to Vancouver, Washington to get my driver's license renewed. 
On my way, I thought about moving Julie's body farther from the road, but I decided it was too much bother. I drove straight through to Baker City, Oregon, and played a little cribbage. I made a few bucks and hit on some of the women. I gave a couple of Julie's old coats to a cute girl from Boise. So who is Don Findlay, and why are you so afraid to meet him? Don Finley is the son of Julie Winningham, my father's last victim. He was present the entire trial of his mother's murder, and he faced my father in court. I first heard about him by reading the Oregonian and his statements in court. I instantly wanted to meet him decades ago and have made attempts to reach out to him and been rejected. I had heard that he wanted to do the things that my dad did to his mom to me. Where did you hear that? From a producer. When I had the show Monster in My Family, the whole premise of the show is to connect perpetrators' family members with victims' family members, and the number one person I wanted to meet was Don. So I had a producer reach out to him, and that producer had relayed the information to me that he he had thought about that, that he thought about harming me in the same fashion that my dad had harmed his mom. Because he wanted revenge by taking something from your dad. I think that he he vilified you quite a bit, and he thought that you had this perfect, wonderful life and that you had never suffered because of the harm your father had inflicted upon people. And I told him a little bit about your work and about the fact that you really wanted— You've spent your entire adult life trying to atone for your dad's crimes and sins. And I think that he had never really looked at the ramifications of your dad's actions on his family and his children. And so he decided he was touch and go, but he said that he'd be willing to try. I mean, he never gave me a guarantee that he was actually going to show up. My hope is that it's it's several things. Honestly, my real hope is I just want to say I'm sorry. I want him to know how sorry I am for what my father did. It's just true, true sadness for what what happened. And I can't offer any restitution or bring his mom back. And my my sorrow for his mom's loss isn't enough. There's nothing I, I could give him. But I definitely want him to know how sorry I am. I think that's the best I can offer. That's all I can offer. Let it happen. Look at, I mean, this is the place that he picked. I mean, this is... This is adorable. Okay, so we're looking at the most adorable little seaside cafe that's actually sitting on the water. And to get there, you have to walk on this kind of metal grate that that rocks back and forth. 
The cafe is this cheerful turquoise blue. It sits not by the water, but on the water. I think it's going to be an interesting meeting. So he picked it. He, he picked, picked it. this location. This feels very friendly. I don't know. It's I'm cheerful. It's peaceful. It's hard because I I'm because I don't know what I'm going to walk into. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Walking on this. <laughs> it's like walking on stilts. <laughs> I'll be right back. Don asked that we not roll audio until after they'd had a chance to meet. I think that's him. I think I think he's behind me. He's got his arms crossed. I'm gonna turn turn my back to him so he can meet with Lauren. I'm glad Lauren's meeting with him first. He he looks he looks tense. I like the location he picked. I gestured for Melissa to come over, and she had to cross this metal plank to get back from where she was standing on the water to me. And Melissa is shaking so hard that the entire thing is trembling as she's walking because she's so nervous. And she walks up to Don, and without saying anything, he opens up his arms and they embrace. And Melissa just starts sobbing. It was one of the most beautiful moments I think I've gotten to witness as a producer. There was such a vulnerability and a strength on both sides of that hug. And it's as if it ripped open a scab on Melissa's soul. She just sobbed. God, it was. When he hugged me and just stretched his arms and he hugged me, it felt like the wash of forgiveness purified my heart. Like it just melted away my anxiety, an anxiety that was interwoven in my fibers of my being. Like it, I didn't realize how tense I've been walking my life until he hugged me. And it was like this relaxation and solace that I've never felt before. And it was something that I thought I could seek in religion and find that solace through a forgiveness of a loving God or entity, you know. But when Don hugged me, it was like all is well. The past is washed away, and I'm free. I'm forgiven and free to walk my life as I need to walk. That was a lot. Yeah. If you're going to do it, you got to do it right or don't do it at all. Yeah. And it's got to come out, girl. Sorry. And it's going to be the hardest. Yeah. Because this whole time, I can only imagine what your thoughts are. Sitting back, like I said, I've put myself in your shoes. And I can't imagine. But maybe I am the missing link. No, and I've, I, you know, I've, I can't even put myself in your shoes. Like, I don't even know. I don't know how you did it. I don't know how you're here. Like I, um, We settled into the cafe, but 
For more privacy, we decided to head back outside to a quiet bench overlooking the water. I'm in a better spot. What questions do you have first? Um, I mean, I'm sure you've been pondering. A lot. I think what I would like to to know first is, um, I briefly met your mom. Okay. Yeah, I'd like to, whatever you want to tell me about your mom and... Um, Well, my mom stayed here in Camas with her mom and was tossed between her dad who lived in California where I was born and raised. Mm -hmm. She wasn't an educated woman. She was uh, a very energetic, positive, venturous, walked her own path. But because of her uneducation, she had to do certain things to get by in life. I mean, back in the day, she supposedly had married a truck driver just as big as your father, but he was from Arkansas. And they got divorced. So my mom had me, and she wasn't around a lot in my life because she was on her own little journey and was scared of the family. Who who raised you? My dad's mom, my mom's stepmom, and my mom's dad. Why my dad worked all the time. What did he do? Uh, My dad was a... regional manager for an auditing company. And uh, they got divorced. Dad got custody, mom wasn't around. And she traveled the United States and liked to do her own thing. Everybody loved her. She wasn't a drunk, she wasn't an alcoholic or drug addict. She, uh, this is the stuff the media don't know. Right. What I'm about to tell you. No one knows this. I haven't told anybody. Because they ask, but they don't. It's all been about, unfortunately, it's been about you and your father when these people tell me what they're promising me, right? I was under the influence that I'm supposed to help people. But the little 30-second segments aren't long enough to help people. One of the things Don wanted to clarify that he believes the media got absolutely wrong was his mother Julie's relationship with Keith. As we know, Keith broke his rules for Julie. It was the first time he'd killed someone he'd dated and really knew. In fact, when Keith introduced Julie to Melissa or talked to Melissa about her, he'd referred to Julie as his fiance. But Don takes issue with this. My mom was living in Utah. I talked to her on February 11th because her birthday was February 12th and mine was February 20th. Mm -hmm. There was no talk of your father. My mom was not in a relationship. She was living with a girlfriend and a kid. She was telling me that she was on her way down here to Camas to visit with her mom. She had met your father in 1992, prior, and she knew how to work the truck stops because she drove truck and did her thing. And he offered her a ride to here. He must not have had any pickups because they hung out in town for a couple weeks. Right. Okay? They were not in a relationship. You can hear in Don's voice how angry he is about the idea that Keith and his mother were ever together. 
There's also a pain that comes from the constant reminders of his mother everywhere he goes. He visits places she frequented, and he drives past the scene of her murder on a daily basis. Every day of my life since then, I try hard. I have to try by. Every day I go fishing in the beautiful gorge. I gotta drive right by it. I didn't run. I faced it head on. I kept crushing my heart. A long-haul trucker told a Clark County Sheriff's Office detective by phone that he strangled Julianne Winningham, 41, while raping her in the sleeper car of his rig after gagging her with duct tape. Winningham's nude body was found March 11th, dumped down a bank of a viewpoint along Highway 14 in the Columbia River Gorge, four miles east of Washougal. The scenery wasn't the only reminder of his mother's murder. So was his name. After his mom's death, Dom changed his name to Leroy. It's actually part of why he was so difficult for me to track down. I had to go through Leroy to get to Don. We asked him a little bit about why he chose that name. I was living in San Diego, working at a car wash, had friends in bands, and uh, just living a fun life. I was smoking pot, doing drugs. I was up for three days when I got the phone call at work. I went ballistic. I uh, pulled off kitchen sinks, punched wood. Then I walked home and I fell in the middle of the main street and cried. So this is where Leroy comes into play. I came up here for the trials. I got a job, telemarketing. They asked me if I had a nickname. I said Leroy. They put Leroy up on the board. So I started telling people my name was Leroy, even though they're seeing me every day on the news. I mean, not only did I not know anybody, but I found a job and a place to live to be able to see this to the end. My family was not there for me. No one's ever asked me if I was okay. I want to know what happened when you found out you came up here. Why did you have to go to the morgue? Well, the reason I had to go to the morgue was because my mom wasn't around a lot in my life. And... I had to physically see her that way to know that she's dead or otherwise I would still think she's on a, you know, traveling around doing her thing because we didn't talk that often. She wasn't around a lot. I'm going back to how you had to see your mom. I can't imagine you you saw her after what Yeah. Do you, I don't even do know what she looked know? like. Yeah, I want I want to know. I want to know. You well, sure? You, because you have to see it. I, I want to know what you saw. All right. Well, I show up. It's underneath the jail. It's really like the movies. Long, 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 long. They open up a room. White walls. Silver table. My mom has a sheet covered up to her neck. I see from her face a mark from here to here, this wide, as black as day's night. 
I see shrub marks on her cheeks from where she rolled down through the berry briars. I also see the top of my mom's head just sitting on top of her head because they did the autopsy on her brain. So it was just there. That's the last time I saw my mom. What do you do with those images? Mask them. They go away. She was such a beautiful lady. Stuck his fist down my mother's throat to make sure she was dead. Duct taped her. Suffocated her. Raped her. Carried him around in the cab of his truck. Drove up the mountain and tossed her like a fucking piece of garbage. And the next time I see her, she's like that. I truly can't explain the anger and hate I've had over the years towards this. But I've had to put, I had to put it past me. I had to, because otherwise I'm not gonna be happy. And I need to be happy. I was wearing just my shoes and a shirt when I headed east. I knew she would wake up soon, and then she'd really know terror. I braked hard at a stop sign and heard her grunt. She tried to get into the front passenger seat, but fell to the floor and cut her forehead on the seat pedestal. A little pool of blood formed. I reached down and patted her on the back and said, nice of you to join me, Julie. And just stay there until I stop up ahead and then you'll find out what's gonna happen to you. Good afternoon. Would you like to try a free sample of our double fudge brownie? Oh, sure. Mmm, that's very good. I'll just take one more, just to be sure. Yep, still very good. Some things never change. Like never being able to take just one free sample. And Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Mmm, is that macadamia nut I taste? Let me take one more. Sir, mm. yeah, I thought so. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Is that Shakespeare? Nope, it's Geico. Uh, yeah, 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 that's Shakespeare from one of his unpublished works. Oh, it be not for awakening. Nay. Give it thou the berries. For fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more. No, it's from Geico, because they help save people money. Well, I hate to break it to you, but Geico got it from Shakespeare. Geico. Fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more. Melissa and Don had been wrestling with the past for so long, trying to come to terms with its impact on their lives and they were both eager to share their experiences. I don't know what you know. I don't know much. All my information came from... I don't know what you want to know. The feds, everybody, they figured out what trucking company he worked for. And by the way, I see that trucking company every day on the road. So you can imagine my thoughts going through, you know. I see it too. Okay. I see it too. And it's got to be hard for us. So 
they found out what trucking company he worked for. He was on a run. He was going to go pick up a load in New Mexico. Okay? Okay. So they called Haney. They said he's going to be in New Mexico. The local police went there with the feds because it's out of jurisdiction. Did the blood, urine, and something else sample for him. Okay. They have to bring it back here to test it. Before they get back, he calls and says he tried to kill himself by eating a bottle of Tylenol. They go back, they arrest him, and the trials start. The detectives came up to Spokane, and they questioned my mom, and then they they didn't tell her anything. And then she said uh, to my brother, sister, and I, that um, your dad's in jail. <laughs> then my brother's like, for what? And and she said for murder. <laughs> I just remember just feeling like this is not, this is not real. And uh, I went into my. Uh, my cot, and I laid down on it, and I just cried the whole night, and wondered who it was, what happened, how did it happen, and, and I pictured a million different things in my head, and, and I wanted answers. <laughs> Nobody would just tell me. I just wanted to know, and that's why I started looking at the Oregonian and reading everything and it was hard to read it but in a way it was kind of a, 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 you know a blessing in disguise because I don't know if I could have handled hearing it from your words in real life I think just reading it there was a there was a state of removal you know I was somewhat removed when I could read from a distance what was happening over here and what was happening with your life this sorrow My broken brain was there before I ever met. I Pick a right. This is where it happened. What is this? This is a spot. It used to be an empty lot until two years ago. I thought she was found on a ravine. Hold on, I'll show you. If you stop right here, this was an empty lot and okay. his 18 wheeler was parked right here. Okay? okay? The bar he was at is just not even a quarter of a mile up the road. My grandmother, my mom's mom lived three blocks up the road. So his truck was parked here. Okay? This is where he did what he did to my mom, right here in this lot. With, it was a parking lot though. Yeah, parking lot. You know, there was no store here. There was no nothing here. Mm -hmm. His truck is right here. My mom comes from the bar up the road. They talk about the money issue. He... What was the money issue? What, what was okay. she... Yeah, tell so, me, explain that to me. So, basically, after listening to your father and saying how one of the victims asked him for money after he was already done with her that reminded him of his wife and that's what made him snap and I remember him saying this in one of his interviews well my mom went to the bartender and he was too busy my mom needed some money came to Jess person your dad my mom had gotten into a car accident your dad's signature was on the bill of sale 
So my mom came to town with him. Mm -hmm. They were hanging out. I'm assuming my mom had a car. My mom was working. Something happened. She went to your father for money, asking him nicely because she wasn't a you know a gold digger or anything, and he snapped. Where we're going next is on Highway 14. He drove six miles out on Highway 14, pulled over, and threw her out without no rings or nothing, just stark ass naked. And then came back, got his trailer, and drove off to New Mexico. But your dad, your last freedom was your dad in this town for three weeks give or take. Mm -hmm. Did your grandmother ever say that they were talking about getting married nope. again? My mom would never got remarried. I know it for a fact. That came up through your father. Because my mom, as you can see, she was a very beautiful woman. She was a kind-hearted, good soul, and that's why your dad, you said, he broke every rule mm -hmm. that he ever had set for victims that he was going to do this to, right? Right. My mom broke every rule because of her soul, her heart, you know, he felt something different with her. To show you how easy it is to file a claim with GEICO, we hired a soap opera star. Gracious me, my car has storm damage and I've had to file a claim. Could it possibly get worse? Will my claims team leave me for someone else? Someone less intense? Um, no. Actually, when you file a claim with GEICO, you get your own dedicated claims team who promises to stay with you throughout the process. Oh, I've never known such loyalty. I can't wait for the second season. Geico. Great service without all the drama. Geico knows there are many reasons why you ride. From the exciting adventure of the daily commute to the peace of mind that Geico always has your back with 24-7 access to claim service and legendary customer service. But Pamela Mund had one reason in particular. My skin is extremely averse to most fabrics, except for the soft, buttery feeling of leather. Thankfully, I found my clan of leather lovers in the biking community. It's been life-changing. Geico Motorcycle. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. The truth, when it comes to Keith, is always in question. Weeks later, Melissa still had doubts about the nature of Julie and Keith's relationship. Our producer, Noel, also made the trip to Washington State to meet Don. This idea of Julie being his fiance kind of keeps coming up, and it's sort of like been called into question a few different ways. Right. By her son, for example. He, Don, right off the bat, said that's not true. But... There's a lot of he said, she said stuff in, in all of these tales. You kind of were skeptical of that, too. The only thing that makes me not skeptical of them being together is the last time I saw my dad. The last time I saw my dad was at a diner, and he brought up that he was going to buy me a car, a red Pontiac, and that he was going to buy a house on the beach and that Julie and him would live there and that I could move in with him. And so the sense that he was putting this future with Julie makes me think that he saw something different in Julie and that he wanted to settle down and get married. But do you remember what we discovered? That that wasn't his dream. That was her dream. 
Don kind of talked about how this mm-hmm. is something she always talked about wanting. To have her son back with her living in the beautiful place of Southern California. Because my mom and him traveled from Utah to mm-hmm. here and they knew each other prior. So he knew her dream. So he was telling me your mom's dream the last time I saw him. Her last words to my dad were, what about your kids? When she was pleading for her life, and I know she was trying to appeal to the man and not the monster. The fact that she was saying that makes me, you know, obviously I know why she was pleading, what about your children? You know, to try to ground him back into, hey, you're a dad. You that, know, but you, she was—and this is, again, this is your father's version. Yeah, we don't know what her last we words don't really know were. Her. And in the Jack Olson book, your father claims that she was saying, hey, wait, you know, what about your children? I was going to be basically their mother. And one of his final insults to her is, do you think I would let you raise my kids? that she wasn't good enough. But again, it's this ongoing theme that you've pointed out that your dad has to degrade all of his victims in some way, shape, or form, that they had it coming. Absolutely. So the truth is I don't know. What we do know is that Julie was murdered by my dad. Her title of fiancé or girlfriend or friend is not relevant, really, I think. I mean, I think it's relevant in that it's it's the one that he interacted with outside of just a killer-victim relationship, at least as far as what we know. Well, I know they were friends. I think that's what—they were friends for years. And that's what I think haunts me more than the fiancé title, is that this was a a multi-year relationship, not one of his fleeting girlfriend situations or someone he barely knew. And if he could do that to her, he could do that to anybody. From I, The Creation of a Serial Killer, by Jack Olson. I said, You don't love me, Julie. You never have. She sniffed and said, What about your children? I was going to look after your kids. I laughed. I said, You can't even look after yourself. How could I trust you with my kids? I was thinking, How do I keep running into these kind of women? All this time, she's staring at me, the tears in her eyes. I removed the tape around her ankles, but I left the tape on her arms so she couldn't go after my eyes with her long fingernails. Uh, I want to ask, but you don't have to answer. You're fine. Okay. What were your mom's last words? Was that said? No. Have you wondered that? I've never thought about that for the simple fact of maybe that the fact that she was duct taped and suffocated and didn't have a last word. So I've never thought about what my mom's last thoughts or words were in my head. She asked him for money and that made him snap. And that's how my mom ended up dead. So that is my interpretation. My mom said something yesterday when, um, He's, he tries to shame my mom by publishing their intimacy, their sex life. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I said to my mom, I'm like, doesn't that make you feel victimized? You know, like that dad's doing this. And she said, well, it's not true. And I thought, yeah, we only have his word for what happened because he was the only person there and the person who did that. And so... But I believe what he did to my mom is true because of the way his actions and his wording. Mm -hmm. And now after you telling me how your father is, mm -hmm. that's why he was supposed to so specific in court. Yeah. I mean, do you, can you imagine my rage hearing this man say he stuck his fist down my mom's throat to make sure she was dead? No. No. Can't imagine. And then I left her in the back of my truck for 8 to 12 hours before I disposed of her body. So the autopsy confirmed that. I came up here on an airplane and I went to every bar across this whole city all the way looking for your father. Didn't know who did it because they didn't know at this time because this yeah. was less than 24 hours after finding my mom. Mm. I went on a mission to every bar. Who are you looking for? I, who did you think you were looking for? Being 100% real with you, I don't know. I, like I said, I literally had been up for three days a day prior. You were just going in hoping that you, I would, was, you would just see somebody and they would you would know. I'm, I'm assuming I, I can't answer that question because it's so long ago you know what I mean but I remember one night in the beginning singing karaoke Pat Benatar singing hit me with your best shot like to the whole you know hit me come on bring it on you know what I mean mm -hmm. I'm facing this head on you know what I mean you think you got something for me bring it on bring it on bring it on Julie was found absolutely by chance when a local resident stopped to take a scenic picture by the winding roadside where she'd been tossed, discovering her naked and beaten body. I'm actually, um... So here comes a 21 mile, keep going. Keep but so you going. know the mile marker. Well, I know it all. See that turnout right there? Mm -hmm. Come, not this one, yeah. but the next one? Because you got to think about it. He has an 18-wheeler truck so he has that space to turn around right right to go back and get his trailer mm -hmm. yeah and if he goes any farther he's in discomania county so he pulls over right now you got to understand the hillside is 20 some years different than it is now mm -hmm. so he pulls his truck over this is where they found my mom's cigarette butts and stuff and so what he basically told me was after he did all that he opened up the door and threw her down there like a rag doll. Right down there. And if you look. Let's go out there. Imagine these trees right here, not overgrown, 20 years ago. Right? Someone stopping to take a picture. He just happens to live up on the hill. He stops to take a picture, looks down this terrain, and sees my mom. So your dad pulled over right here disposed of her. That he would have had to get over this uh, barrier. No. Well, if you think about this, your dad's truck is an 18-wheeler, correct? Your dad is 250 pounds at the time. He knows how to drive a truck. He can get this close enough, open the door. Your dad could throw 100 pounds like it's nothing, I'm sure. Right. 
tumbled down. Remember I told you the brush marks on her cheeks? Yeah, it's from this. It's right? from this. So I came up here, I came kicking bushes. I came looking for anything I could find. Just out of sheer, I don't know what. And this is really thick. Yeah, like I said, 20 years. Yeah, this is built up. It probably wasn't as high, you know what I mean? The toss wouldn't have been as far and they would have never have found her. What, how would they have found her? By the grace of God that you were saying earlier doesn't exist, he made that man stop and take a picture. Because no one ever stops here. No one. No, because there's not really a scenic view either no. of the river. Because the so, trees are blocking the view to even take a picture. Like, this wouldn't be where I would stop to take a picture. This isn't scenic at all. So what made that person stop to take a picture who lives right up here every day? That is strange that they would just come down here and take a picture if they live here and see this view every day. Why did that happen? That's one of the questions. They had nothing to do with it. They didn't help your dad or anything. But why did the universe tell that person to stop right here? Because it was time for it to stop. He needed to be stopped. And if your mom, if your mom's body wasn't found, he would still be out there today. Face is a production of How Stuff Works. Executive producers are Melissa Moore, Lauren Bright Pacheco, Mangesh Hatikador, and Will Pearson. Supervising producer is Noel Brown. Music by Claire Campbell, Paige Campbell, and Hope for a Golden Summer. Story editor is Matt Riddle. Audio editing by Chandler Mays and Noel Brown. Assistant editor is Taylor Chacoin. Special thanks to Phil Stanford, the publishers of the Oregonian newspaper, and the Carlisle family. If I could be you, and you could be me, for just one hour, if you could find a way to get inside each other's mind, walk a mile in my shoes, walk a mile in my shoes, walk, walk a mile, mile in, in my, my shoes. shoes, we've all felt left out. And for some, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Walk a mile in my shoes. Hey guys, it's Bobby Bones. I host The Bobby Bones Show. 
And I'm pretty much always sleepy because I wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning. A couple hours later, I get all my friends together, and we get into a room, and we do a radio show. We share our lives, we tell our stories, we try to find as much good in the world as we possibly can, and we look through the news of the day that you'll care about. Also, your favorite country artists are always stopping by to hang out and share their lives and music, too. So wake up with a bunch of my friends on 98.7 WMZQ in Washington, D.C., or wherever the road takes you on the iHeartRadio app.